Fourth Joyful Mystery, The Presentation of Jesus in the Temple Filled with longing for our salvation, you present in the temple the one you conceived of the Holy Spirit. Your motherly gaze is turned to us as you return him unconditionally and entirely to the Father. Like you, the great servant of the sacrifice, I give everything I hold most dear for the salvation of souls. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Schoenstatt Way of Life podcast. I'm your host, Julia Monnen, author of The World is Noisy, God Whispers books. I began there with Father Kentonick's reflection on the fourth joyful mystery, the presentation of Jesus in the temple. And as you might have guessed it, that is what we are going to be talking about today in, in this episode. Of course, this is the episode for January of 2024. Happy New Year to all of you as we rest in this um, few weeks of ordinary time and prepare ourselves for Lent, which believe it or not, will be here in about a month if you're listening to this right away when this episode is released on the 18th. Um, and so again, we're going to be looking at the fourth joyful mystery, the presentation of Jesus in the temple. And in a particular way, we're going to be looking at Simeon's prophecy to the Blessed Mother, and a sword will pierce your heart. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? What does that mean as we look to prepare ourselves for the, the holy season of Lent, which is upon us, which will be here before I'm with you again in, in the February podcast. So let's begin our episode looking at scripture from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38. When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Messiah of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. I'm going to jump back to verse 33 through 35, where again we hear the heart of this passage from the Gospel of Luke, what we're talking about today, this this Simeon's words to the Blessed Mother. 
The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And you yourself a sword will pierce. I doubt very much that this is the first time that you have reflected on these words, reflected on this sorrow of the Blessed Mother. Of course, the joy of the birth of Christ, right? This is just happening, and then we hear these words. This joy is is coded with this sorrow, right? Of a sword will pierce your heart. And in this world, of course, we're always living in this tension. The the great joys of this this world is always overshadowed with some sorrow. And, and of course, we know that Christ came to redeem us, to save us. He came to carry his cross, to do the Father's will. And as Christians, as little Christ in the world, we're meant to do the same, to pick up our cross and to follow him. In a special way in, in this movement, in the Shunstop movement, um, Father Kentenick echoes what it means to be Christian, to be a little Christ, by saying we can do this and do this well when we learn to become a little Mary, right? And this, of course, is probably not the first time you've heard this either, especially if you've been involved in the movement for some time, to be a little Mary. And um, then, of course, um, thinking about that, we can think about how this message to the Blessed Mother from Simeon is perhaps a message that's meant for all of us. And you yourself, a sword will pierce. We probably don't have to think very long to think about the many ways, the sorrows, the crosses that have come our ways, these times where he, we, have, we have felt our own hearts being pierced by this sword of sorrow. Sorrow is such a crushing emotion, a beautiful emotion, right? One that makes us fully human, um, but also one that is so crushing that'll just stop us in our tracks. And of course, this idea of having our hearts pierced, this gives us a lot of meat to ponder as well, does it not? Um, recently, I was talking with a friend and reflecting on, you know, this this gentleness um, of of the Blessed Mother's heart and thinking about the own ways, you know, I'm coming up short in imitating this, her tenderness, right? And the, the reflection that this friend shared with, with me really got me thinking, one that was so beautiful, and that's the heart of what I want to share with you today. What he mentioned to me was, you know, it's good that I'm feeling this pain, that I'm feeling this sorrow, that my heart is open to receiving these blows and to feeling them because it means I have a heart that is gentle or at least open to being gentle um, if it is, in fact, can be pierced. I kind of stumbled over my words there, so let me repeat that. If your heart, as my friend was sharing with me, is capable of being pierced, then that means it's gentle enough to be so. It means you don't have walls around your heart. It means you don't have wounds and hardness growing around your heart. You don't, you don't have all of these protective mechanisms saying, no, I refuse to be hurt. And so these walls are up and you will not enter, right? He's, he, he took this as an opportunity to write, remind me of this vulnerability I'm feeling is one that is absolutely one that's an imitation with the Blessed Mothers. And I'm sharing you this with you because I'm guessing you, like me, have experienced great pains and sorrows in your moments of vulnerability, and you're saying, man, I'm weak. I'm weak. I should be stronger than this. And his point to me that day, which I want to offer to you as well, might actually be the opposite. You're not weak. 
this vulnerability, this gentleness is a sign of your great strength, a sign of how you are imitating the Blessed Mother because she had a heart that was so gentle that it was able to be pierced, right? There were no walls pr protecting her. The only protection she had was in doing the Father's will and of, of being of being who God asked her to be. We, we see that in when she gives her great fiat, let it, be, but let it be done to me according to your word. She, she didn't know the entirety of what that meant, but certainly she knew it wasn't a get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Might What might come with it what might indeed be great sorrow, great suffering. And so when we keep our hearts open enough to follow God's will, then when we do that, we are saying we're open enough that if God wills it, that our hearts, in fact, might someday be pierced, or we might too feel this sorrow that the Blessed Mother felt, that of course Christ himself felt in his agony and his passion and his death. So we're not alone in this struggle, and I'm offering this this message to you today on this podcast as a sign of hope. If you, like me, find yourself beating yourself up, like, I should be stronger than this, this shouldn't have hurt me as much as it did, um, let this be a reminder that perhaps it's not a sign of your weakness, but a sign of your strength, that you don't have walls around your heart protecting you from being hurt, which means what? That your heart is gentle enough, like the Blessed Mother's, that to, to be pierced. And the great beauty, the great beauty that exists in that, right? In that redemptive power of, of our sorrow, of our suffering, when it's united through the Blessed Mother and her intercession to Christ who died for us on the cross. And so be pondering that as you prepare and begin preparing and thinking about Lent that's coming up. Of course, Lent is always such a graced season for all of us. Holy Mother Church invites us to go to the desert with our Lord, to take on extra sacrifices, to pray, to fast, to give, to give alms. And these things are not just meant to be to-do lists to make us hurt for 40 days as we prepare for Easter, but they're meant to be purifying things that can help us um, uproot the weeds that have grown up in the gardens of our souls so that we can prepare to meet our risen Lord in his glory on Easter Sunday. And so I ask you, as you think about your, your the walls around your heart coming down, or maybe maybe you're not on that end. Maybe you're like, no, there's definitely walls around my heart and a sword will not be piercing me, right? Maybe it's woundedness. Maybe it's past sin. Maybe it's something that someone has done to you. And if that's the case, of course, begin there. Recognize that reality that there are some walls around your heart, that your heart is not at a place of vulnerability yet, um, and that perhaps that might be what God is calling you to, to slowly chisel away at some of these walls. And perhaps your heart is wide open and, and you're feeling incredibly vulnerable, so much so that you feel your own heart being pierced time and time again. And if so, again, take this as your reminder that this isn't a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength and certainly God's grace already at work in you and in the life of your soul. But then again, ask, what does God want to do in you and with you this Lent as he continues to purify you and to draw you into his very likeness? And so I always like to approach Lent, or not always, but in recent years, post-conversion, post right? I like to approach, approach Lent with, with a little bit of intensity um, and certainly with intentionality of what actually is the Lord wanting to do in me this Lent? What is he wanting to purify in me this Lent in, in greater ways? And one way we can 
recognize this is by kind of checking out the symptoms, the symptoms of our souls. So where are we becoming irritated? Where are we feeling obstacles arise? Um, is it something with, with, you know, are we struggling with being patient and gentle and kind? Do we struggle with, with anger and wanting to be in control? Like where are these moments where we really feel rocked, where we just have a difficult time remaining virtuous? These might be something that we can look at as little symptoms, little warning signs going off in the life of our souls that say, okay, there's definitely a problem here. Okay. And that's step one. God's grace comes and sheds a light on these areas of darkness in our hearts and in our souls and says, okay, we'll be begin here and focus on this, perhaps this Lent, right? Don't be overwhelmed. Don't, don't think that you're going to go from being a sinner to being a saint overnight. This is not how God does this with us. It is very slow um, and very gentle because he is gentle with us, right? And, and we can't uproot all of these things overnight and he's not asking us to, but we can certainly begin where we notice these hot spots. So where are these hot spots in your soul? Where are these walls? Where are these areas that really like perhaps even even trigger you in some way? Or you notice like, man, when the rubber meets the road, I, like God's grace is with me in these situations to remain virtue, virtuous. But in this particular situation, I am struggling. Okay, is that a hot spot? Is there an area there for growth? What What is the Lord trying to, to, trying to tell you there in that area? And then think of Lenten penances, prayers, sacrifices, giving alms, these things the church asks of us, think about ways that you can tie these penitential practices into this particular hotspot of yours. So let me give you an example, and I've probably even shared examples on past episodes, um, but I'm, I'm a doer, you know, I, I have a natural inclination to, to work, I'm energized by work, so I love to work, um, and, and I love to do generally speaking. I have become a deep contemplative as well. I love to sit and I love to pray, um, but but certainly um, work is not something that frightens me. So anyway, I realize though that I have a tendency to overwork, right? To become, um, to become obsessed even with the work, and that is not what the Lord is asking me to do or what it, what he's asking me to become. And so in years past, I've, I've used that as a focus point of things that I can do, things that I can um, offer up and, and tying it into my prayer. Certainly we can pray. We can, we can thank God for the grace of being aware of that fact that, you know, that can be an issue with me where I can, I can overwork or I can, I can make it about the work instead of about what the purpose of the work might be. Um, and so that can become the prayer that that's what we're focusing on. And sometimes I, uh, sometimes I've pulled out like quotes from saints that have really impacted me or, or quotes from scripture. And I, I keep that in front of me throughout the whole Lenten season so that that can become my prayer that I'm offering. Okay, here's what we're focusing on. And then your penances, your fasting can be like, okay, well, how can I fast from these things? Um, so in, in my example, right, just getting the next thing done can become an issue with me. And so one Lent, the fast was from finishing my projects. So if I went into work for the day, the, the, the thing I'd offer up every day was intentionally not finishing something that I started. Um, and I'd feel the pain of that, my friends. I, it would be something as simple as all I have to do is click send on this email and I could cross this off my list. And I would leave the office and say, nope, that's that'll wait for tomorrow. Um, and those were ways of training myself and allowing the Lord to like uproot this vice of this inordinate attachment to just getting the next thing done, right? So that was part of the fasting for me that year was to fast from, from finishing everything um, that, that I wanted to finish for the day. 
taking breaks in the middle of my day, forcing myself to take 10 minute breaks to, to pray, right? Instead of just like, okay, I got that thing done. I'm going to jump to the next thing because I have five hours in this office and I'm going to get as much done as I can in this five hours, right? So again, this is just an example of my own personal life as, I, as I've recognized like, okay, that's a hot spot. That's an area of, of vice and inordinate attachment. And I, I want the Lord's grace to come into here and to purify that. And so we pray about it. We think about it. We take the, the intercession of the great saints who've maybe struggled with this. We look to scripture, we, we pray, and then we all, we pull out these, these habits, these penitential practices of, of fasting and things like that, that are maybe tied, tied to this inordinate attachment or to this vice, or dare I say, even to this sin, right? And so we do that. And then of course, almsgiving, um, how in this example, I'm, I'm sharing with you, what would be a way of giving alms you, like to, to help purify the inordinate attachment to overdoing or working or just having to get the next thing done? Well, you know, perhaps when you're taking those breaks in the middle of the day, um, and instead of like just jumping to the next thing on your to-do list, maybe your almsgiving is going and spending that time with somebody ordinarily you wouldn't have spent that time with. Maybe you pick up the phone and you call somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time. Um, or maybe that that time that you could have been spent like producing some sort of like income or something like that, not that any of the work I do <laughs> produces income, but in, in perhaps in your example, like producing any any sort of an income and perhaps instead of doing that, like you're tithing in, in a special way. Um, so that doesn't make as much sense as perhaps what the penance done or the fast did, but you can get creative with that, with with what your struggles are, right? With that almsgiving. And you can tie these into what perhaps the Lord is, is wanting to really grow in you this Lent. And so I guess my encouragement to you for this Lent is, is again, as always, as we look to the Blessed Mother as our example, as we look at the way that the walls around of her heart, there couldn't have been any. If her heart had the ability to be, be pierced, then that meant that she was living a life in total submission to the Father's will. And that meant all the joys, yes, but also all the sufferings that the Lord might have needed her to take on. And so if we're keeping that in mind as we move through our Lent of what are the walls around my heart and what might the Lord want to chisel away and what are these hot spots, we can make our Lenten prayer, fasting, and almsgiving very particular. It'd be like going to the doctor like right now and saying, I have these symptoms and the doctor saying, based on your symptoms and based on what I know about your biology and your, your, what you're capable of and what you're not capable of, here's the game plan for you, right? Here's, and, and guess what? This is going to be a different game plan than what the next patient who comes in with me, because that next patient is going to have different symptoms and different capabilities and, and capable of different things. And so we take this time leading up to Lent to really pray, to really wonder, to really pay attention to the way that the Lord is showing us through the effects of our lives, through the things that are stinging us a little bit more than what they should, um, to the things that we're finding especially difficult when maybe it shouldn't be so difficult. Again, pay attention to these things, not always, but sometimes these might be effects of our soul that are pointing to a deeper rooted problem. And we can use this season of Lent in our prayer and our fasting and our almsgiving for the Lord to really uproot these weeds and to really begin to um, shed his light and his grace and to heal us of all of these things as he purifies us. Why? So that we could freely love him in the way that we're meant to love him with free hearts, unpossessed hearts, hearts that are all his, right? Just like we look to the heart of the Blessed Mother of our example. She had a heart that was all his, 
She would take the joy. She would take the suffering as well. She would take the highs. She would take the lows. She only wanted to do his will. Fiat, let it be done. Let it be done to me. Not I'm going to do this. No, let it be done to me according to your word. During this time of preparation for this great season of Lent, may the Lord shine his light and send his Holy Spirit among our hearts as we reflect and recollect and strive in little ways and in big ways to become more and more like him as we become more and more like her. My friends, as always, it was an honor and blessing to be with you as as we join together on this episode. If you want to stay in touch with me between shows, you can go to my website, theworldisnoisy.com, and you can connect with me through that page. You can also learn all about my books, my podcast, all of that, all that good stuff going on. Please keep me in your prayers and know that I am praying for you in a special way as well, especially as we prepare um, to enter into this season of Lent. And let's go ahead and close with our consecration prayer. But before we do, I'm going to read to you one more time that reflection, Father Kentonick's words um, of the fourth joyful mystery, the presentation of Jesus in the temple, and then we'll close this episode with our consecration prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The fourth joyful mystery, the presentation of Jesus in the temple, filled with longing for our salvation You present in the temple the one you conceived of the Holy Spirit. Your motherly gaze is turned to us as you return him unconditionally and entirely to the Father. Like you, the great servant of the sacrifice, I give everything I hold most dear for the salvation of souls. My queen, my mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my entire self without reserve. As I am your own, my good mother, guard me and defend me as your property and possession. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.